Cool, guys. Hey, good morning. Welcome, everybody. So lovely to see you all. Uh, you're all looking very good today. <laughs> nice neck thing. That's really cool. Uh, all right. I'll, <coughs> I'll stop now before I start to get into fashion. Okay, uh, so uh, we've been learning the last couple of weeks about the kingdom of God, uh, which I, uh, I really love. <sighs> We've seen some wonderful things. Thank you very much, Jonathan, who, who kicked us off with um, Kingdom Mindset. That was really wonderful, and, and how we enter into the Kingdom Mindset. And then last week, we had Rob from, from Tully, uh, who uh, also, like Jonathan, stole my sermon. Uh, but they, well, we're all, it's like a Venn diagram. We're all sort of talking about the same thing, so we're kind of covering the other thing. And, and God is really speaking to all of us as well. Uh, and so uh, Rob uh, McGeary uh, spoke about kingdom living and kingdom lifestyle as well, which is a, it's an upside-down kingdom and it's very different to the way the world lives. So we've talked about those two things. I suppose I wanted to talk about what the kingdom was exactly and how the kingdom comes. So the first scripture I've got is... Uh, this one, Isaiah 61. So Isaiah writes a lot about the kingdom of God. Uh, and it was written uh, partly while Israel was in the land of Israel and also partly while they were in exile. It says this, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim that the captives will be released and the prisoners will be freed. And he has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favour has come. Yeah. Powerful. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the story of the kingdom of God, how we, how we come to understand it. Um, so Jesus comes preaching the good news of the kingdom which is one of those biblical statements that you just see, and it's, well, where did that come from? And uh, so I'm going to talk about how he got there. I'm going to talk about what it isn't and what it is. So let's go. First of all, I suppose one of the way of defining the kingdom of God is what would it be like if God was in charge? What would it be like if God was in charge? Can you just take a moment... Uh, to talk to the people next to you. What would it be like if God was in charge in Athens? Or, or what would it be like if God was in charge in your house more? Or if God was in charge in your business? Just have a, have a share. <laughs> Lovely. I'm going to start with these wonderful people over here. So I heard God is already in charge. Yeah? Very much so. He is. He is. Um, somebody else over... Uh, Annette, you're a sensible woman. What do you reckon? I <laughs> know oh, you do. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's cool. Anybody else want to share? Oh, no, you do. I'm just aware of already things that God is in charge, no matter what. Yeah. Very much so. God is on the throne. You're on the same page as well? Yeah. Yes. No. Um, we were um, thinking that there'd be no more stolen cars. Good point. 
It's all up and down from Townsville to Cairns, isn't it? What's going on there? So, yeah, and there's a tension in the kingdom. We'll talk about that as well, that somehow we, we know that God is in charge, hands down. At the same time, people are still dying. We, we still have cancer amongst us. There's, there's still all that sort of stuff, you know, there's crime and everything. So, it's called what? No, no, it's cool. Yeah, so there's a, there's a tension, and we'll explore that tension as well. When, when I became a Christian back when I was 17, um, I learned a lot about the, the good news um, or the gospel. And the gospel meant, uh, they explained it to me, that it was, I, I was a sinner. <laughs> I was cool with that. I understood that. Yeah, but Jesus loved me so much, he died for me, and uh, his sacrifice paid the price for all of my sin. When I asked God for forgiveness... Uh, it meant he forgave me and I would go to heaven when I died. It's good, isn't it? Ain't nothing wrong with that. Sets people free, sets people free of their sin. Very powerful. And it really describes what's happening in here, what's happening for the individual, for the person. Um, One of the recent... Uh, for me, I, I found probably as a young person, and maybe it was the stage I was at, I, the, the focus in, in my group sometimes was really on, on my sin and dealing with my sin and bringing my sin to, to God. One of the criticisms, um, and, and, and this is from one of the main people who really loved the church, really loved the church, and really uh, up until his death, a guy called Dallas Willard was really encouraging of people. So there was no, he wasn't a baddie, he was a goodie. He said, you know, sometimes we get into the gospel of sin management. Because this is our picture of the gospel, that's kind of where we stay. It's a little bit like if the, if the Israelites painted the blood on the doors, walked out, walked across through the Red Sea and rejoiced and said, cool, we're done. And that's all they, they did. They said, God has delivered us, he set us free. <coughs> But he didn't, and they didn't. They didn't stop there. They kept on going, and they made their own kingdom, uh, and they went into the promised land. So the scripture kind of teaches already that there's something more for us to do. And uh, for me, that's the kingdom of God. So what happens, in, what happens inside and what happens outside? It was always God's plan. So, yeah, let's talk about the kingdom. It was always God's plan to bring his kingdom to earth. And you and I know that. I've been praying it since before I was a Christian. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be my name, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We've been praying that prayer. Here's uh, Genesis. And then God said, let's make the man in our image, after our own likeness, and let them have dominion or let them rule or have lordship over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So basically, that's the the other thing about the kingdom, is God wanted his kingdom to come and he wants to partner with us, even from the Garden of Eden. This is uh, um, part of the idea of the kingdom. Uh, but we all know the story. Uh, uh, Adam and Eve 
unwittingly gave their authority to Satan. Satan comes in and, and trashes everything. But God's plan is still that, to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Uh, so he partners with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And remember the promise that he says to Abraham, you know, through you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Yeah? The kingdom of heaven comes through to bless the nations of the world. God partners with his people um, to see that happen. Uh, and then there's a series of pictures uh, in the Old Testament. One of the other aspects of the kingdom is it's, there's a confrontation when the kingdom of God comes to earth. So uh, in, when the Israelites are delivered, they're delivered by ten plagues. Uh, God brings ten plagues upon the Egyptians. Now for people reading that text uh, back then, they would know that those ten plagues are representatives of, of some of the ten gods of Egypt. And so God, in those plagues, is confronting the evil spiritual powers. They have a God for the Nile. They have a God for the harvest. God strikes the Nile. He strikes the harvest. They have a God for darkness and light and the sun. And God brings a plague of darkness. There's gnats, there's flies, there's um, frogs. And it's been a long time since uh, I went to Sunday school. So, but... And, and then there's a plague about you know, life and death, the firstborn of the Egyptians. The kingdom of God confronts evil, confronts evil spiritual powers. And the other cool thing is, like it said in that Isaiah passage, brings freedom. I just can't imagine what it was like to, to stand on the shore with, um, with uh, Moses uh, and Miriam as they sung. What a wonderful victory. They're free. They're free of the Egyptians and the ones who had oppressed them, who had come after them through the Red Sea even, they were completely free of them. That's the kingdom. Now I cry because I'm Greek and I'm an emotional guy, but that's sometimes also the way that the Spirit touches me. And, and that's, God does that even now. You know, we, we celebrate that freedom still. Um, okay, moving on. So that's a picture of, of one of the aspects of um, other thing. Also in that is God living with his people. This is a feature of the kingdom of God. It's when God is with his people. This is a picture, an artistic impression of the the tent of meeting, that special place, that tent that God got the Israelites to build and the Ark of the Covenant was in the most holy place of, of the tent. And it says that when Moses went in, uh, the, the presence of God would come down and God would talk to, uh, to Moses face to face. He's meeting with his people and he is living with his people. Uh, there's a picture. So these pictures are repeated later and we're going to come back to them in the New Testament. Cool. Um, but then uh, bad things happen. and uh, Well, no, good things happen first. They, they enter the promised land and then uh, after a long time they have a wonderful kingdom under Saul and then David and then Solomon. And it is beautiful. Uh, finally, they, there is peace uh, for the Israelites, um, 
they don't want for anything. There's nothing missing or nothing broken. So the idea of shalom, uh, which uh, ACC or AOG kind of said, this is prosperity, uh, and it was God's intention. It's God's intention that we prosper. Uh, but it also became... Um, so they didn't, they didn't want for anything. Silver was common. Uh, gold was, was also common. Uh, and everything was, was wonderful. They had nothing missing and nothing broken for about five minutes. And then, it's sad, slowly through this cycle of apostasy, they turn and turn and turn away from God and they go into exile uh, for 70 years and then slowly God brings them back. All through that time, before, during and after the exile, God is talking to them about the kingdom. The kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven there was going to be an awesome day of the Lord you know where judgment was going to come on the enemies of God there was going to be um, there was going to be this strange figure the the the, um, the servant uh, the suffering servant who was going to suffer for the sins of of, um, of the nation and then there was going to be this equally strange figure in Daniel the, the son of man who was God but he wasn't God but he was God and he, and he was going to rule over the nations. So all of this is in here. But we're focusing on the kingdom today. Uh, what it's like when God is in charge. This is a wonderful uh, passage from Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah 25. It says this. Uh, here on Mount Zion, the Lord Almighty will prepare a banquet for all the nations of the world. A banquet of the richest food and the finest wine. Here he will suddenly remove the cloud of sorrow that has been hanging over all the nations. There's something about the kingdom is it's for all nations, and it's something that blesses all nations and transforms all nations. The sovereign Lord will destroy death forever. He will wipe away the tears from everyone's eyes and take away the disgrace. That is, people have suffered throughout the world. The Lord himself has spoken. That's God's intention and that's God's heart. Beautiful picture of the kingdom. Please, uh, I encourage you to read the Bible, read Isaiah, it's in Jeremiah. Uh, and they're wonderful pictures of the kingdom of God that God intends to bring. So we talked about God. Uh, the kingdom of God is when God confronts evil. Uh, or evil is confronted uh, it's when God dwells with his people or God's presence uh, and we've talked about how God likes to partner with his people and then here comes Jesus uh, and he comes preaching the kingdom of God I didn't, I didn't actually I read it but I didn't actually see it and I think it's like a lot of things in scripture a friend of mine called Graham um, Graham said, oh, well, actually, Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. I was like, what? Yeah, you have a look. He's preaching the kingdom of God. Uh, so uh, he starts preaching the kingdom of God. He, uh, he teaches the disciples uh, and the 72 to teach, preach the kingdom of God. He tells parables about the kingdom of God. This is a really important concept. But, you know, as a young Christian back in the mid-90s, didn't, we didn't really hear much about the kingdom of God. Um, so it's good that we're having this kind of discussion now. 
The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's Saviour. Oh, of the Lord's favour. Jesus reads this in um, a synagogue when he's, when he's asked to speak. And he says, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Some of the things that the kingdom of heaven is not. The kingdom of heaven is not a political kingdom. You know, that, that first passage of Isaiah could probably go either way. You know, oh, it's about setting people who have been oppressed free oh well we the jews have been oppressed by the romans and the babylonians and everything god's going to set us free but if you look and listen to the ministry of jesus uh and like rob and and uh jonathan have have really um uh, explicitly explored it's not a political kingdom hating your brother in your heart is equivalent to murder said jesus and therefore reconcile with him quickly Love your enemies and pray for those who abuse you. Can you imagine Jews who had to put up with the Roman occupation sort of hearing that for the first time? It's jarring. Hey, Jesus, wait a minute. We thought we were com- you were coming and we were going we to triumph over the Romans. No, Jesus has got a different sort of kingdom in mind. And finally, when he's talking to Herod, he says, My kingdom is not of this world. Keep running, little girl. Okay, so yeah, um, and there's other things in there. Something else that it's not, it's not a geographical location. Come on, let's go. Esther, you were born for a time of this, but this is not your time. Thank you. It's not a geographical location. Remember, Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. Uh, now, everybody thought, all the Jews thought it was going to be in Jerusalem, that God was going to be, and that's where the kingdom was going to be. And they were kind of right. And then uh, the woman at the well, her people thought it was going to be uh, where they worshipped. And Jesus said, the time is coming, and it's here now, when we won't worship over there in Jerusalem or here on this mountain. But God is looking for people who worship him in spirit and in truth. It's not a political. It's not a political kingdom. It's not a geographical location. Um, Jesus says, you know, but if I, by the Spirit of God, cast out demons, then the kingdom of heaven has come upon you. It's come upon me there. He was talking in a place that wasn't Jerusalem. So something powerful and non-geographical is happening. The, the kingdom just kind of springs up here and there. Uh, moving on. What the kingdom is. So we've talked about cow, power and cows. We've talked about God bringing the kingdom through his people. Uh, let's explore that a little bit more. So God, uh, he likes to partner with people. God could do it himself and Jesus could have preached to the whole world, but instead he chose uh, 12 men and he said, okay, I'm going to send you out to do what you've done here. This is the other thing about the kingdom. He, Jesus didn't tell people about the kingdom. When he inaugurated or started off the kingdom, he didn't just stop at saying, this is what the kingdom is like. He demonstrated the kingdom. He showed people what the kingdom was like. In the kingdom of heaven, demons will have no sway. Get out, he said to the demons. Uh, the 
people who are blind will be able to see in the kingdom of heaven. There's going to be no death in the kingdom of heaven. You know, you love that story where here's a funeral train of people, a woman who is carrying her only son, uh, and she's not looking forward to her life of loneliness and of having to fend for herself. And then along comes Jesus' carriage and procession of disciples, and they meet what's going to happen. Jesus takes a man's hand and he raises up and he triumphs over death and he keeps on going and it completely changes it. And he just shows, uh, just for a minute, that this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. So, down to the last page, doing very well. Power encounters, God partnering with his people. So he sends out the 12, and he brings them in. And then he brings the 72, uh, 72 uh, followers in, and he empowers them, and he sends them out. And then he dies. And then he raises to life the ultimate power encounter where Jesus ultimately triumphs over death. And everybody, for the New Testament church back in the first century, the cross wasn't such a big symbol or sign. They talked about it and they talked about Jesus' triumph over it, but really it was the idea of new life that really captivated them. So the fact that Jesus was risen and was reigning forever like we sung a little while ago, that was the important thing and that's what they carried forth. So, um, and he, so he's sending all these people out to show and tell uh, the good news. Before he leaves, Jesus said, the disciples say, Oh, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom? He says, No, I'm not. But you're going to be my witnesses in, in here in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He also, and he gives them the Great Commission, Go and baptize the nations in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Uh, and then in Acts, it also records in Acts 1.8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that's the power that we need to witness for God. The twelve showed and told about the kingdom of heaven. The 72 showed and told about the kingdom of heaven. And then... At Pentecost, Jesus anointed all the pastors only and he sent them out to tell about the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> no, he anointed everybody. There were 120 people in that room and they were all anointed. When I was preparing this, God said to me, well, I felt God say to me that the most important thing is that you and I know that God has empowered you and me with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. He has given you that power to bear witness to the kingdom of God. He's given you that power and those wonderful gifts, natural ones but also supernatural ones, to show people what the kingdom of life and what the kingdom of God is like. Um God's presence, so God's presence is the Holy Spirit empowering us. Now, we've, we've talked a little bit about the tension between 
between um, we know that God is on the throne and at the same time we know that bad things happen. This is a little picture um, that was created by a lot of guys. This is by a guy called Derek Morphew. He's added to it. And he said it's like this. The Jews, for them, it was very linear. The kingdom of, this is the present evil age that we live in. And then there's going to be the day of judgment. And that's going to be the end of time. And then it's going to be the kingdom of heaven. So there's these two very clear eras. This age and the age to come. What... um, what happened when Jesus rocked up, though, was he said, the kingdom of God is here. He inaugurated the kingdom kind of here. Now, during Jesus' time, people were still dying. People were still suffering under the Romans. The bad things are happening still during our time. Um, but there's this wonderful inbreaking of the kingdom of God. It's breaking in, people. Now, it's broken in in a mighty way in this church before, uh, back before I was around. Wonderful things happened. Recently, recently in Asbury, we've, we've heard of, about people experiencing revival and, and God, God's kingdom breaking in. Every time somebody is, um, is set free of something, they are experiencing a little moment of the kingdom of heaven. Every time somebody is healed... Uh, we're experiencing a moment of the kingdom of heaven. It's kind of now. The kingdom is now. It's happening now. But it's also not yet. Do you know what I'm saying? So now we know that God is on the throne. Now we know, even now, this morning, we experienced his presence. Wasn't that wonderful? It's, it's a visceral feeling in our body that we, we experience the kingdom of heaven. Some people weep a lot. Some people tremble a lot when, when they experience the presence of God on them. Um, but it, it's, it's not consummated. That's the technical sort of term for it. The kingdom of heaven has come and it's here and it's coming, but it's not consummated yet. The fullness of it hasn't come. There we are. There's Jesus' message and ministry. There's the cross. Um, there's his R for resurrection and there's P for Pentecost. And there's us, the Christian community, living in the tension of this time. We've all prayed for people who, who, um, who haven't been healed. It's one of the signs that actually the kingdom is not yet here. It's, it's here, but it's not yet here. And sometimes they are gloriously healed. My son prayed for me a couple of mornings ago. I had a really bad sore throat. And he laid his hands on me. <laughs> he's, he's still learning how to lay hands on properly. And he said, oh God, you know, uh, in Jesus' name, I command healing uh, in Dad's throat. And the pain went away. And then Adam, I wasn't going to speak this morning. Adam prayed for me yesterday. And he said, oh, uh, in Jesus' name, I command the bug going away. I'm a teacher. I know what it's like to lose my voice. That's what it felt like yesterday. And... Uh, I got healing from that, and so I can speak quite normally now. So these wonderful things are happening. Yeah, they're clapping because they're happy that I spoke. Um, And that's okay. Look, um, so this is the age and the age to come. Sometimes people are not healed. We used to say that, oh, it's because they didn't have enough faith. And, And that's in the scripture, and Jesus does say that to the apostles and the disciples. But... I don't think that's always the case. And I've got to say that sometimes it's just because of the mystery 
of the kingdom not coming. Jesus prayed for Lazarus. He was raised from the dead, but Lazarus died. You and I have seen very faithful people, people who have great faith, pray for people, and they didn't get healed. It wasn't because of their faith. It was just because it wasn't time. John the Baptist was... um, was in in prison and he sends that message to God because he's experiencing the not yet of the kingdom. And he says, Jesus, are you the one or are we still to wait for somebody? And he says, go and tell John what you see. The the blind are seeing, the lame are walking, uh, those with leprosy are cured and the good news is being preached to the poor. And blessed is the one who is not offended for me. As it was in Jesus' time, it is now. Sometimes we experience the kingdom of God and sometimes we don't. But I've got to say this. Um, sometimes people get to that thing and they go, oh, well, what's the point of praying? I prayed for that person and it didn't work. I prayed for that person over that and it didn't work. I know uh, a guy whose whole church prayed for about nine months and they didn't see anything. In fact, the people they prayed for got sicker. Uh, <laughs> But then suddenly they had a bit of a breakthrough and people started getting healed. Um, and still not everybody, but people started getting healed. If I don't tell people about Jesus, they're not going to get saved. If I don't pray for people to get healed, they're not going to get healed. If I pray for them, they may get healed. If I, if I tell them about Jesus, God, they may get healed. There's a mystery of the kingdom and we are only called... Uh, to bring that we're only called to bear witness to Christ and to, and to tell people and to show people and to pray for people. The kingdom of heaven comes. Uh, it is, it's not geographical, it's not political, uh, but it is God's presence. It is God's rule and reign or the way that God would do things. Uh, and it comes through God's people. The last picture I want to leave you with is this. In 1985, West Germany was still uh, in the rapture of communism. And a guy, a pastor decided to pray. And there were probably lots of pastors praying and definitely lots of people in the, in the, East, in the West praying. They started praying for God to come and deliver their city of communism and their, and their, and their nation of communism. And they kept on praying and people got beat up. People got threatened by the secret police uh, who included a young Vladimir Putin. He, he was there, actually. They prayed and they prayed and they kept on praying. One woman, her children were taken from her because she was involved in an extremist group, uh, the Christians. And, uh, but they kept on praying. Uh, 1989, they had a massive meeting these are ordinary, nameless, faceless people, just like you and me, although you have very beautiful faces. What I'm saying is they're not people who are well-known. They weren't necessarily leaders. But this prayer and this calling out for the kingdom of God to come by just ordinary people, just like you and me, uh, eventually led to a bloodless end of a regime. A bloodless end. There are many regimes around the world that come down and they are awful. And there's blood and there's beatings and there's blood on the streets. This came down because so many people were praying and it came down bloodlessly. 
South Africa in the 90s, um, the end of apartheid. And South Africa is not looking great now, but that regime transferred from apartheid, from this oppressive system that was unequal, to something where, where um, it was a lot more equal and democratic. And it happened because people, again, there were thousands and thousands of Christians who were praying. There were thousands of Christians behind the scene who were talking uh, to politicians and people to negotiate things. And uh, because of what the people did, uh, they were delivered. Listen, this is the call on your life, um, uh, whether you're eight or whether you're 80 or, or, or above. Or, I, don't, I don't know what I insult you, but you know what I'm saying. Whether you're older. There is, this is the call in our life. Look, I, um, I thought we'd just sort of give God a little bit of time now. Um, we, we do have enough time. What we're going to do soon is we're going to stand and we're, I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and we're just going to wait quietly. There's probably going to be some awkward silence, but we're going to invite him to work. Now, God's given me a few words that I'd like to share. Uh, I'll do that then. Um, and if there's things that stirred in your heart, as we've been talking about this, um, we, we can get to that as well. So everybody, stand please. Now, if you don't know what to do, that's totally cool. Uh, you might want to just stand there. You might want to put your hands out uh, in, in a way that you're sort of receiving from God. Let's just, um, let's just pray and we're just going to wait for a few minutes just to see what God will do. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, come. More, Lord. More, Lord. I just felt as I was preparing this message that there were some people who God wanted to turn on your lights. That were the words. He wanted to turn on your lights. Uh, if, if that's you, uh, or if that resonates with you, uh, put up your hand. That's cool. Oh, yep. Thank you. Uh, just down the back. So if you see people near you put up their hands, you have the Holy Spirit in you and you can go over and politely ask them, can, can I put my hand on you? And you can pray for God and you just say, God, uh, please turn on their lights. If you don't know what to pray, you just say, God, for whatever you're doing, uh, I just say more, come and do more. If some people could just get around that lady at the back in the, in the red jacket. Um... I felt uh, there are some people here who, who, who would like to receive more of God's Holy Spirit. Uh, that can happen too. Uh, again, because God wants to fill you. And there's people get filled to conversion. And it's clear in Scripture, Acts 4, that even the disciples who were powerfully filled at Pentecost, they were filled again. And God wants to do that as well. Uh, so if you, if you want to be filled more with his Holy Spirit, please put your hand up. And if you see a hand up, uh, please go and, and gather around. Um, there are some people who are starting to get in, in touch with their, their gifts. Um, yep, just over here. Come on, Zia, step up. You can do it. <laughs> uh, there are some people who are, who are getting in touch with their gifts. God wants to give you today. He, he wants to give you uh, um, the gifts or more of the gifts. It says to eagerly desire all the gifts, especially prophecy. 
God wants to speak through you. I don't mean in a big way, thus saith the Lord. I mean even in a small way of just uh, God saying something small to one of your friends. The big is in the small with the kingdom of God. Uh, It's like a mustard seed, something really, really small. But God does amazing things through it. And God wants to do amazing things through you. Yeah, if there's anybody else, uh, if you want just prayer generally, please talk to the people next to you and ask them to pray for you. And lovely to see people looking around as well. I go up the back with the kid. Adam, is your name Adam? Yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, for a few people, yeah, Corey, you can have a go at praying for Adam as well. And I'm going to pray for these people. Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close the, the meeting formally, officially now. God bless you. Uh, and I just want you to remember you are... You're like those people in the upper room. Uh, You have that gift and that empowering and that anointing on you. Uh, And I just pray that God would bless you as you press into that and as you come to understand what that means in your place, in your context. Thanks very much, Jesus. And thank you very much, everybody. Amen.